Hello, I'm Amy from Vienna and I'm a Thronesy. I'm Tamara, I'm from Minnesota and I'm a Potterhead. I'm Zoe, I'm from France and I'm a Thronecoat. I'm Carla from Melbourne and I'm a Murderino. I'm AJ, I live in Wasaga Beach, Canada and I am part of the Supernatural family. Hey guys, it's Sarah. And I'm Allison. And this is the Fandom Base Life Podcast. A podcast that explores and celebrates fandoms and the friendships and communities they create. Hoi. Hi, bud. Uh, so how are you? Um, not so great. I was robbed yesterday. So. Ugh. <laughs> Yay. The week before payday, oh, I dude. dropped my card holder and somebody started using my contactless card and racked up like a hundred pounds in spending before I even noticed it was gone. So that, that was really uh, is fun. shitty. Who would do that? I'm hoping that it was just like a really hungry homeless person and they had like a feast of champions and that's it but more than likely it was some idiot teenager that went and like bought booze for him and his friends so oh that sucks dude i'm sorry it's all right the bank's refunding it um and one of my murderino friends uh had dominoes delivered to my house last night so i could eat (laughs) oh that's so sweet fandoms take care of each other you guys it's a real thing and that's how it should be yeah. Uh, speaking of murderinos, I just want to say thank you so much to everybody that made that episode what it was. It's our most listened to episode so far. We have received so much heartwarming, amazing feedback. Um, we're just super grateful. And thank you to everybody that wrote in with suggestions and um you know, we really do appreciate that because we were even saying earlier today that we truly are just like winging this every time we <laughs> sit down to record. We're like, well, let's try this. All right, here we go. So we do appreciate the feedback. Yeah, and it's been mostly good. We've gotten some, um, I, I don't think we've received bad feedback, just some like constructive criticism and like good tips. Um, but overall, people seem to be uh, kind of excited that there's a podcast about fandom. So that makes us really happy. Um, somebody had suggested uh, like a fandom-based news section of the podcast. Um, yes. Do you have any fandom news that you want to share? <laughs> uh, fuck. Um, I have news for my own fandom, which is not news. By the time this airs, it, it will be old news. But My Favorite Murder are finally coming to the UK. Yeah. <laughs> they have been telling us they're coming for a really long time and it seemed like it was never going to happen but they have announced dates so tickets go on sale this week uh by the time this is aired they will be on sale so hopefully and you will own some i yeah hope well (laughs) we'll see because i don't have bank cards but um (laughs) shit yeah hopefully everything will be sorted by then and i will have tickets and hopefully vip tickets so i can squeeze karen and georgia and say thank you in person we, oh, I wish we had some fandom based life merch that we could give them. Well, maybe by then we will, because the show isn't till May. <laughs> All right, let's get to work. Yeah, yeah. I was talking to some friends today about some ideas and uh, <clears throat> think we're, we'll get the ball rolling. It's going to be good. Sweet.
Uh, do you have any fandom-based news? Uh, just that uh, Supernatural season 13 premiered. <gasps> it did premiere. I'm not caught up still, I'm so I haven't watched not either. Um, but my, a couple of friends, you know, who are caught up were taking pictures of their television screen and sending it to me. Mm-hmm. So I can't wait. I'm almost there. I think I just started season six. Oh, With wow. You're catching up. Dean and Lisa. Despite every time you tell me you're watching it, I, I yell at you. And yeah, tell you I'm not going to not watch it. <laughs> You're like, you started this and now you're shaming me. But I'm like, you should be watching Firefly. I have my allotted time. I have supernatural time at one point of the day. And then I couldn't watch Firefly without Peter because he loved it so much. We had to watch it together. Okay. Well, I guess you're forgiven. As long as you keep up with our fandom-based life, you can indulge in your fandom-based life. Oh my god, thank you so much. (laughs) I'll allow it. Yeah, you're welcome. No problem. So... Any other fandom-based updates before we get started on uh, this week's topic? No, I think that's all I got. Okay, well, now that uh, that's all taken care of, I think it's about time for some thrilling heroics. Don't you? <laughs> <laughs> that is clearly what we are up to. Oh, God, that is the best segue ever. You're welcome. All right, and by... Thrilling heroics. Uh, obviously, Allison is talking about Firefly. Firefly. Yes. That's not a song. The American space western drama television series created by writer and director Josh Whedon, which aired yes. on Fox in 2002. Surely did. Uh, Paul and Sarah N., they have a joint Facebook account, so I couldn't tell who was who. Uh, Describe it as good old Wild West fun mixed with science fiction, an in-depth cast you love to care about, and a story arc that develops episode to episode. So much we want to learn, but we're never given the ability to. Right, that's right, because Firefly was only uh, one season long, and I don't even think it was like a complete season. No, they they canceled it with uh, three episodes missing. And one thing I will say is going through the questionnaires about this one, uh, we asked people what their thoughts and feelings were about uh, the show being canceled after one season. And there were so many expletives. There were. There were. <laughs> there were like talks about, you know, shoving remote controls up Fox executives' places. <laughs> and, uh, and so many so many expletives and this is 15 years later so can you imagine how angry they were 15 years ago when this first happened i mean i tried to watch it back in the day um and i just i think you know what it was i think i watched serenity first and i just you can't really get into serenity i don't think without seeing the the series so what when i sat down to watch the series i flipping loved it I loved it so much I loved it to the point where I was sitting on the edge of my bed at some points like clasping my hands together like it was so intense and so (laughs) heartfelt I loved it so much more than I thought that I would well confession um I oh god I'm this is the episode we're gonna get our first hate mail from I just know it like I, I just know it 
Um, so I had never heard of this show until we started this podcast. Literally. Didn't know anything. Someone's like, oh, you have to do brown coats. And I was like, what? what is that? I don't understand. They're like, Firefly. I'm like, I don't. Who, who, who are fireflies? I don't. <laughs> There's a show about a firefly. What does it do? Um, I had no idea. So I feel like a terrible person. I feel like I have no business co-hosting a fandom podcast <laughs> because this I should have known. But I really enjoyed watching it. I really enjoyed the characters. I will say something that may be unpopular. Um, I enjoyed the show about 20,000 times more than I enjoyed the film. And I do find it interesting that, that you're not the only one, I don't think, that saw the film first, because they really kind of marketed that as like it's a standalone blockbuster kind of thing. But yeah, it is definitely, I think Fox did a big disservice to the show because I think it really, really could have been a, a much bigger success than it was. Absolutely. And I think that uh, I don't and I I guess I'm, you know, on the same wavelength as the rest of the brown coats. Um, Joss Whedon is responsible for Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel, which was a spinoff of Buffy and hugely successful for a spinoff. So he has two like epic, huge hits. This had potential to be as big as you know, Buffy, uh, or Angel. It, so I just, I'm right there with you guys. I don't understand. I don't get it. Yeah. I really expected, you know, watching the show to kind of understand, okay, like let's, <laughs> let's be real. Once again, I'm just like setting myself up as a horrible target for hate mail, but, um, Westerns have, are not my thing. Um, space. I know space is your thing. Uh, you love your space porn. Space is not really my thing, uh, um, unless it's the X-Files, which is not set in space. <laughs> um, so I really didn't think I was going to like it. I watched the first episode and I was just like, oh, God, what have I signed myself up for? But by the end, like, I found myself really thinking about these characters and wanting to know where they ended up. And I, it's I think it's it's a lot of it to do with Joss Whedon's writing. You know, I think that's one of the reasons it's such a beloved show he's got that that like camp silly and yet super serious thing down you know it's just something that kind of he carries through everything he creates and uh and it is it's really endearing like he creates these wonderful characters there's great they're so lines deep there's and a- complex you know they're the characters yeah. that i in the first episode you know, you think to yourself, I'm going to like that one and that one, and I'm not going to like that one, and I definitely don't like that one. By the end of it, I just, everybody was so deep and unexpected, and, and it's very surprising, the journey that Joss takes you on with these characters. So for those of you who don't know Firefly, aren't familiar with Firefly, um, like we said, it's an American space western drama. And uh, Joss was inspired to create the show after reading the book called The Killer Angels by Michael Shera, which was a story about the Battle of Gettysburg during the American Civil War in 1863. So he read a historical novel and decided that he would do something similar except set it in the future and in space. So the show explores the lives of a group of people And it takes place after a civil war in space. And the people that are on 
the ship called Serenity fought on the losing side of the Civil War. Some of them did. And they now make their living on the fringe of society as part of like a pioneer culture in their star system. In the future, in this universe that Joss created, there's two surviving superpowers, uh, the United States and China, and they fuse together to form a central federal government called the Alliance. So Mm -hmm. a lot of the dialogue the characters will slip into Chinese and start rambling on in Chinese, which is kind of cool because it's like the official language now of the Alliance. So it premiered in the United States on the Fox network, September 20th, 2002. And by mid December, it had averaged 4.7 million viewers per episode and was 98th in the Nielsen ratings. However, like we said earlier, it was canceled after only uh, 11 of the 14 produced episodes were aired. Boo. Yep. And one of the things I think that really, one of the things that makes this show have such a huge cult following are the the actors, I think. Uh, agreed. It's it's funny watching watching this. I mean, uh, I think for, for many of these actors, it, it was one of their first big kind of breaks. But seriously, like every single one of these actors you have now seen in so many things. Like I knew every face. Everyone was so familiar when I watched it, you know, as someone who obviously never saw it the first time around. So that was really, really fun to kind of, you know, see these people that you've seen for years and years and like all of your favorite series and films all together in one thing. Yes. So let's talk a little bit about these characters. And I've also, um, for each character, um, I made like a little list of some other things you will have seen them in. Certainly not a complete list or we'd be here all day. But, you know, I, it was one of those things where I was watching and I was like, oh, where, where do I know this person from? And then you look at IMDb and it's like, oh, Yes, I did things. the same thing. I was like, oh, yeah, everything. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, you're in everything. So we'll start with our main dude, Malcolm Mal Reynolds, Captain Mal, who's played by Nathan Fillion. So Mao was a captain of the Firefly-class transport ship Serenity. And during the Unification War, Mao fought for the Independents, uh, a.k.a. the Browncoats. He was the highest-ranking Browncoat to participate and survive in the Battle of Serenity Valley. Now, if you watch the series, we'll talk in a minute about uh, the sequence of the episodes, because there is a whole kerfuffle about that. A what? Um, Excuse me? A kerfuffle. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Continue. Um, <laughs> shut up. That is a word, okay? I'm 85 years old. So, um, so in the in the the way the series was meant to start was originally planned to start, not necessarily the way Fox chose to air it. We'll get into this whole thing later, but um, it does open with this Battle of Serenity Valley, where we meet Mal and Zoe, and they are you know fighting in this civil war and they are basically left behind by their comrades because there was too much heat and they couldn't get in to to take them away so that's kind of the opening that we get so yeah that's where we first meet mal and uh joel g (laughs) said malcolm reynolds is at least for me the most relatable protagonist while not necessarily a hero or anti-hero he resists the government he feels is wrong all while trying to survive and keep his crew alive. 
He acts like the patriarch for his misfit family and fights fiercely to do right by them, even at his own expense. Well said. Yeah, I agree. That kind of captured it really well for me. That's why I was just like, why do I need to, <laughs> why do I need to use my words when I can use Joel G's better ones? Um, you know, I think that's something people love about this. There is no real character that's like some, you know, ridiculous knight on a white horse kind of character. Everyone is very real. Everyone is very flawed. Mal is not insanely likable. It takes a while to kind of warm to him because he can be a bit of a dick to be real. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but by the end of the series, you're just like, that's that's our captain. <laughs> so I would like to point out, so Mal is played by actor Nathan Fillion, as I mentioned. I would like to point out that he's Canadian. Just a saying. lot of these people are. Shush, I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So I did not know that he was, though, I gotta say. Yeah, I was I was surprised to find out that uh, he's a hometown hometown hero. <laughs> oh my God. So you have also seen you've seen him in a ton of things. I mean, Firefly is like kind of his big cult thing. But you also may have seen him in One Life to Live, where he got his big break. Uh, he was in Two Guys, a Girl in a Pizza Place. He was in Buffy for a few episodes. He, he he had small roles in several films, both before and after Firefly, one of which is one of my favorite, most underrated, terrible horror films of all time, which is called Dracula 2000. <laughs> I think y'all need to go watch that, because that is also where I discovered a then-unknown and very vampiric and sexy Gerard Butler, who mm. played Dracula, and it was the best. Also, vitamin C is in it, so oh, <laughs> need I say more? So all that aside, uh, his uh, his biggest kind of hit to date is the show Castle, which he is, well, was the star of. Uh, I believe it finished last year, um, but that had a good long run, and, and he's really well known for Castle. Although Browncoats will say <coughs> that he was our captain before he was your castle. I love that. I saw Mike that. Drop. I love it brown coats are like he's ours okay <laughs> we discovered him all right so moving along next we have zoe washburn so zoe elaine washburn was a brown coat who served in the unification war under sergeant malcolm reynolds for two and a half years and was one of the few to survive the battle of serenity valley Zoe continued under his command on his spaceship serenity as his first mate and was the wife of pilot Hoban Washburn, which we'll get to in a moment. She's a loyal second-in-command and a tough, deadly fighter. And Zoe was one of the only members of Mal's crew to regularly call him Sir, while taking orders as if receiving them from a superior officer. Most people did not <laughs> treat him with that much respect, but she always did, even when she was disagreeing with him. Um, she's amazing. First of all, she's stupid gorgeous yeah super badass yep i love her so she's played by actress gina torres uh who you've also seen in angel hercules xena 24 alias hannibal and most recently suits so she's doing all right <laughs> so her husband in the show is hoburn washburn who we affectionately all know as wash uh, Wash is the pilot of Serenity, husband of Serenity's second-in-command Zoe, and my personal favorite character in Firefly. 
He's a laid-back guy with a dry sense of humor, uh, and he tended to represent the pragmatic cut-and-run option uh, in any shipboard debate, and often served as a calming influence in heated arguments. So sometimes he like appeared a bit like a coward, or maybe less than heroic, you know. But he wasn't shy of putting himself in harm's way and really sticking his neck out for the crew when push came to shove, which is great. His loyalty to his fellow crew is unshakable. Um, so I will say now, maybe we should have said it at the top of the episode, but warning, we're going to spoil things because, listen, it's one season and a film. So, <laughs> you know, uh, I hate to tell you, Wash dies. Oh. And it's the worst thing in the fucking world. <laughs> it really is. So uh, Wash is played by actor Alan Tudyk, who I love who has been in 8 zillion things, uh, some of these 8 billion things being Dollhouse, Young Justice, Arrested Development, Suburgatory, and Con Man, which we'll touch on a little bit later in this podcast. My favorite, favorite um, role that he was, um, what was it, 28 Days with Sandra Bullock when they were at the um, like drug and alcohol rehab. <laughs> Do you see that? Oh my god, with Sandra Bullock? Yes! Yeah, oh, he is in that! Yep. And Shit, he's also yes. in Sophia's favorite, um, Frozen. Yeah, he does a lot of voice work. Actually, all of these actors do a ton of voice work, which is kind of cool to see. I was like, oh, they're, they did that? They were that voice? That voice? All right. Moving down the line, we have Inara Sarah. So Inara is a companion which is a sort of high society courtesan, um, but actually very, very respected in the Alliance. These, these companions uh, train for years. Um, not everything they do is about sex. A lot of it is companionship. Um, and they are, yeah, they're super well-respected. They're part of the social elite, um, and they often accompany the wealthy and powerful. So Inara rents a shuttle that is part of Serenity. So she kind of leases that from them and travels with the crew. Um, there is also this obnoxious, constant, will they, won't they tension between her and Captain Mal that, that never, never gets, gets satisfied. Never. And drives everybody crazy. Like just just smooch you crazy kids <laughs> just get your shit together so Inara is played by actress Marina Baccarin and you will have also seen her in Still Life The OC Stargate SG-1 Heartland V Gotham Homeland and Deadpool she's uh she's kind of a big deal wow yeah next up I it's the character we love to hate Jane Cobb. Oh, can I Let's just say at the Jane. top, at the top of this? Yeah. He's my favorite. <laughs> I hated him at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then by the end, I loved him. I loved love him. him. He was my favorite. So Jane is a hired gun who did not fight on either side in the Unification War. Uh, he met up with the former independence fighters Malcolm Reynolds and Zoe Washburn when his gang tried to rob them. This is a tender subject for me. I was robbed yesterday. Oh, um, no! <laughs> so, uh, but they did note that he was very skillful in tracking them. 
So they managed to kind of in this standoff situation, uh, get some intel on, you know, how much he was getting paid and, and what his standard of living was with his current gang. And uh, Mal bargained with him, said, you know, if you let us go, you can join our team. You'll get your own room. You know, we'll pay you a ton. You can join us on our ship. And uh, he basically shot his friends and said, how big is the room? Nice, Jane. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, he, we'll talk about his hat later, but there's also one of the most iconic, <laughs> one of the, we'll talk about it now, screw it. One of the most iconic symbols of the Firefly fandom is this ridiculous orange knit hat. Oh, it's so glorious. <laughs> it's glorious. So in a, it might be the last, ep- it's one of the very last episodes, um, Jane gets sent a hat that his mummy knit for him. His ma. His ma. So this is like tough guy, badass Jane. He gets this hat. He reads the note from his mother in this sort of like slow, not super literate thing that makes my heart just do things. (laughs) Um, And he's so proud. He's so proud of this hat. What What does he say that? Oh, he's like, how does it sit? quite cunning isn't it (laughs) (laughs) he thinks it looks very cunning it's so Um, it's so great it is amazing i have it in my quote section here hang on so he says uh he says how does it sit pretty cunning don't you think like he's just so proud and he's so sweet it's this moment of jane that it's just like wonderful (laughs) and wash says man walks down the street in a hat like that you know he ain't afraid of anything (laughs) (laughs) Which I think is kind of a dig, but also very true. And but so it's people true. wear these hats, sell these hats, make these hats. My friend has a, a Jane uh, keychain with a tiny, tiny knit Jane hat on it. Oh. Yeah, I've seen photos of like a wedding where all the groomsmen are wearing Jane hats. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, yes. it's serious business. And it, you have to see the show because um, Adam Baldwin, who plays Jane Cobb, is like six foot four. He's a giant. He's just a massive man. So yeah. they must have just everyone standing on apple crates around him like all times. Yeah. Because nobody in Hollywood is that tall, so it's very difficult to. Film and that I don't sort think of shit. I think Nathan Fillion is on the shorter side. Is he? Hmm. Maybe Googling we need to do a, a heightest. Special. I'm googling it. <laughs> um, so oh no, yes, he's like six two. He's mentioned. plenty tall. That's fine. You're okay, okay Nathan. Plenty. Plenty tall. <laughs> so uh, you did mention that Jane is played by Adam Baldwin, who is yet another one of those actors that's played parts in tons and tons of stuff. You've seen him in The X-Files. Yeah. Uh, you've seen him in Angel, uh, Jackie Chan Adventures, Chuck, and The Last Ship. So he's been, he's been around. So... Following up that, we have another kind of sci-fi darling, another Canadian. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, and that is Jewel State. Um, so Jewel plays Kaywinette Lee Fry, a.k.a. Kaylee. And she's adorable and also badass. So she's Serenity's mechanic. She's an exceptional engineer and has a natural intuition for machines, despite her lack of formal training. She's kind, trustworthy, sees the best in people, and is known as the heart of Serenity. She's just beautiful. She's a beautiful person. And she her. really is. She, they, like, picked her up on a random planet, you know. They, they actually caught her sleeping with their original mechanic, 
who was not fixing the ship as he should have been. And she pointed out all the problems with the ship that he clearly didn't know. And Mal was like, you know what? Do you want do you want to just join the ship? And she's like, let me go ask my mom and dad. And like ran off. And ever since then has been part of the ship. She's just kind of like this really sweet, innocent girl that just happens to be such a tomboy and knows everything there is to know about about machines. I When I started looking at pictures and cast and crew and everything when I first started researching Firefly before I watched it I looked at her forever and I'm like where do I know this girl from and I had to go way back through IMDB and I watched her when I was a little kid on Nickelodeon had a show called Space Cases in like 1996 (laughs) where all these kids from like Earth and Jupiter and Mars and all over the, they were on like a space station. And I think she was from uh, Saturn maybe. And she had rainbow hair and she was so beautiful. And I That's loved her. Amazing. She was my favorite. I think she was in I'm Afraid of the Dark too, which was like a Canadian TV program. Yeah, we had that. That was on Nickelodeon that. down here too. Yeah. Um. So yeah, there's way too many. Her, her kind of filmography uh, is just way too long to share but uh, some notable things she's been in have been da vinci's inquest stargate atlantis uh the la complex which is a show another show that lasted i think only one season that i really loved and like nobody watched it (laughs) but i really really loved it and that was the one for me where it clicked i was like oh that's where i know you from Mm -hmm. that weird show that nobody watched um the killing she also had, if we're talking about fandom-based life and things we've covered already, I don't think you're there yet, but she has a very brief uh, moment in Supernatural. <gasps> Get ready. Season Can't 7. Wait. I'm looking. My eyes are peeled. Yeah. Keep your eyes peeled because she, uh, she shows up in that, which is a show that is notable for 8 billion uh, cameos from sci-fi stars. So now I understand that one. All right, we got uh, three more to go uh, on this crew. So next we have Dr. Simon Tam and River Tam. So they, in the kind of beginning, they smuggle themselves aboard Serenity. And um, so Simon Tam gave up his life as a top trauma surgeon on one of the central planets in order to rescue his little sister, River, from an Alliance Academy. So in the process, he and she both became wanted fugitives. He smuggled his sister. He basically saved her. She was brilliant and had some kind of interesting abilities. And she was sent off to an alliance kind of school, a boarding school of sorts, when she was quite young. And, you know, Simon realized something was wrong in the letter she was sending home. It, it, it didn't make sense. And it turns out uh they were doing these crazy experiments on her. They basically broke her brain. And so when we meet her, she's frozen. <laughs> and uh, she comes to and she's just like absolutely nuts. And she is a very bizarre, bizarre character. Almost like schizophrenia. Yeah, her. she's definitely, you know, has some trauma that has impacted her, her way of being. So, um Luckily for them, the crew of Serenity take them on. Um, actually, uh, Kaylee gets injured. Uh, she gets shot, I believe, in an early 
kind of scene and uh, they, they wanted to kick the doctor off the ship, but he uses the fact that he can help her as a sort of bribe to let them stay on board the ship. So so then he becomes basically the doctor of the ship and, and helps everyone that gets injured, which happens a lot on Serenity. And uh, you, so he's played by actor Sean Mayer. And you have also seen him in Party of Five, holy throwback, The Playboy Club, another short-lived series that I watched that I enjoyed, and Make It or Break It. And River, this child prodigy kind of strange character, I have to be honest with you, I did not love that character. I think like people either really, really love her or just, in my case, I just found her so obnoxious. Like She just keeps getting them into trouble, and I'm just like, can somebody control this girl see i i enjoyed her and i wish i was i would have looked uh, i was looking forward to her character being further developed so i think that you know had this been seven seasons long like it was intended to i think we would have ended up really liking river a hundred percent and it's i think like saying that i dislike her is about word. i was just like constantly annoyed at her antics but her but uh, as a character she's brilliant her the you know summer glau that plays her just brilliant acting i mean all of these oh all of these characters were just so well taken on by the actors that played them so i have nothing but respect but uh, but i mean that's part of the thing right and some of these characters you're not meant to love them all like right. they're meant to be these people that have all of these layers and some of them you love and some of them you just like want to you know throttle at times and for, for me, she's that one. I watched a convention. Um, I think it was a Dallas convention. Um, nope. I watched a panel, and I think it was a Dallas convention. And it had most of the cast there. And Summer actually was, in real life, seemed very similar to River. And she was very soft-spoken, almost shy. And when she did give answers, it was like, you know, just a couple of words to the point. That was it. And the rest of the cast was teasing her. Nathan was saying, like, come on, Summer, stop talking so much. It was really cute. <laughs> That's really cute. Uh, so you've also seen Summer Glau in Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, which I really want to watch, mainly because Shirley Manson acts in that. Ooh. She did a brief acting stint in that show, and she's a Terminator. So I, I need to find that. So yeah, you've seen her in Terminator, Sarah Connor, Connor Chronicles. She was also in Dollhouse, another Joss Whedon adventure, and uh, and also Arrow. And last but certainly not least, another one of my favorite characters, and another one that does not make it through to the end of the film, <laughs> is Shepard Daryl Buck, who I absolutely love. So he was a passenger aboard Serenity. Oh, good God, he's getting comfy. All right. Uh, So he's a passenger aboard Serenity uh, and a friend and spiritual teacher to everyone in the crew. Uh, Although some of them didn't quite like his spiritual approach to things. But there's something about him because there's there's this running thing that we just keep discovering that he's not as, as like, saintly as you think he is at first. Yes. And that I really want more details on and we never get it. Damn it, Joss. I know. Um, I think 
in like the graphic novel series that that I haven't personally dived into, we do get a lot of answers to things like this. But okay. if we're going strictly in the series and film, um, we we never really understand his past. We just know that he has one, and that it's there's some he's seen some shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I don't think he was always a preacher. Um, so it's always kind of hinted at, but never quite revealed uh, what that past might be. Unfortunately, not only does he not uh, make it to the end of the series and film, but uh, unfortunately, he did pass away last year. Um, Ron Glass, the actor. Oh, that I didn't him. know that shit. Oh. Yeah, it's super, super sad. Um, so he had a very lengthy career that started long before Firefly. Um, you've seen him. There's so many. You've seen him in The New Odd Couple, The Twilight Zone, Rhythm and Blues, uh, Friends even, um, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mike from Indiana says... Ron Glass's portrayal of Shepherd Book inspired me to return to my seminary studies and become ordained. Which Whoa. is so cool. That is cool. I know, right? So yeah, R.I.P. Ron Glass, we miss you. You're amazing. And uh, a lot of love for you. We'll, we'll pour one out for you today. Aww. So beyond that main cast, there are also countless amazing, notable guest appearances. I am going to touch on just four of these because there are so many. Uh, so this is another thing I love about the show. There's just tiny characters that come in for like one or two episodes and are now like these absolute megastars. Um, for example, Christina Hendricks, who we all know as Joni from Mad Men, yes. pops up uh, in a couple episodes as an awesome character called Saffron. Um, she is a very crafty con artist uh, who assumed convenient identities to commit thefts. Uh, one of these identities was the wife of Captain Mal, oh my God, who uh, he didn't episode. realize he had been married to while they were partying on a planet on quite a bender and then uh, woke up with this gorgeous redheaded goddess um, who seemed so meek and innocent and just wanted to be a good wife to him and then turns out to be like a badass that tries to kill everyone and take over the ship. No big deal. Another one of our favorite humans shows up in this. Our good friend, Mark Shepard. Yes, Crowley. Crowley from SPN. Um, Obviously, this is long before he was Crowley. Uh, He plays Badger in two episodes. Uh, So he runs a criminal operation. Um, We we meet him uh, very early on. And then again, later on, uh, when he basically hires Mal to do some questionable smuggling. We don't need to go through Mark Shepard's CV because we have gone through it on our Supernatural episode. He has been in everything, full stop. Yep. Like everything that has ever existed, Mark yep. Shepard has been in. He's he in is it. a king of it's, sci-fi. If he's as well not as the king of it, hell. it's not sci-fi. What's that? If he's not in it, it's not sci-fi. Yeah, basically. Another person that was notable that's related to Supernatural is... Rance Burgess, who appears in just one episode, played by actor Frederick Len, and he was a rancher who ran afoul of the crew of Serenity when he decided to wage war against a brothel run by a woman called Nandy, who was a former companion and friend of Inara's. Rance Burgess, I don't know if you, did you see, have you watched the whole thing now? Yeah. Okay. So Rance Burgess, do you remember that, that episode with the brothel? Yep. He was yellow Did you recognize him? He's the yellow-eyed demon yes. from Supernatural. Yes. So I, I kind of squealed when he came on screen. I'm like, it's the yellow-eyed demon. And also in that episode, that was a, a heavy hitter, was our good friend Melinda Clark, who is another amazing goddess of a character who's been in so much. So she played Nandy, who was a former companion that uh, 
that decided it was too restrictive and decided to become a madam of a brothel. And uh, she oversaw all the common whores on one of the outer planets. Melinda Clark is in everything. She is a legend. I've had a shot of tequila with her. Bonus points for life. Really? Uh, she, you've seen her in Days of Our Lives, Star Trek Enterprise, The O.C., Julie Cooper, what's up? Entourage, Nikita, uh, CSI, she had a big arc in CSI, Gotham, and more recently, The Vampire Diaries. Wow. So I was very excited to see her, and she uh, she gets a little little love from our captain as well. Yes. Before she, before she bites it. Oh. <laughs> that was so sad. I really yeah. liked her. I was like, yes, girl, get it. So yeah, that's that's some of the notable guest appearances. There's many more than that. There's probably some I don't personally recognize as uh, as someone who was not that knowledgeable about sci-fi. Please don't hurt me. But I was definitely excited to see those those smaller smaller parts filled by these awesome actors. So next in our outline that we create <laughs> before each episode, um, you mm-hmm. have here written the episode sequence, and I since I read that I have purposely avoided anything that might explain it because I really want you to tell me what is the episode sequence the network versus Whedon oh my god I am afraid of this too because there is still like no definitive answer (laughs) to this so so basically what happened is that the episodes were not aired in the order that the creators had intended them to be aired that's rude Um, Rude. (laughs) So most notably, the two-hour episode called Serenity was intended to be the pilot episode. So it contains most of the character introductions and backstory. It's a beautiful episode. It really lines everything up for the show. But Fox decided that it wasn't a suitable pilot. And so the second episode, The Train Job, was rushed into production. and, uh, And that became the pilot episode. So we're just kind of thrown into things that way. So a lot of people say that this is part of the reason that the show was canceled so early, um, that it was a weak way to start the show, considering the the two-hour intro was was maybe much better in in setting it up. Um, So a lot of fans do say that basically Fox bungled the whole thing, and that's why the show wasn't the success it could have been. So not only do we have this discrepancy with the way the show began, but also, as we mentioned earlier, it was canceled with three episodes unaired. (laughs) So they didn't even finish the series. Um, I believe they did air them much, much, much later. But I mean, by that point, it was just, you know, any momentum was lost. Um, Mm -hmm. Apparently, the show was often um, preempted by sporting events. It just just like nothing went right for the show when it was airing. So there's still some disagreement on the order of the last few episodes and I do not have an answer. I do not want to be a person that like says this is the right way, but the last kind of three episodes, basically when they were putting together the DVD box set, they put serenity first. They, they basically, you know, they ordered it the way it was meant to be ordered. However, I think the, the production order was a bit different because in the end, the fact that the show had been canceled kind of changed the way Joss wanted to, end things. So there's an episode called The Message, which was originally intended to be the final episode. But when they're putting together the, the DVD set, Joss decided that 
that episode was a bit too funereal, like it was a bit too much of a downer to end it on. So instead, um, they kind of switched up the last few episodes and put an episode called Objects in Space at the end. So Mm -hmm. still people say this is the way you should watch it. No, this is the way you should watch it. And Hmm. people have arguments about the continuity of certain things in those last three episodes, you know, saying it can only be this way because Inara threatens to leave the ship. And then in this one, she's leaving. And it's just I couldn't, you know get too far into the argument but it's still kind of it's still to this day an argument um but but most people kind of tend to go with the dvd order as as the order that joss has decided we should watch it in and that's the order i watched it in and i felt like it made sense but yeah there's no like i said there's really no definitive answer it depends on who you talk to interesting yeah and uh you know as as we said earlier people a lot of people blame fox for just kind of destroying any chance the show had its success which is a super bummer yeah kind of before it even started that sucks yeah it really didn't get a chance i mean you didn't even get the full series yeah lame yeah okay so in october of 2002 fans kind of began getting nervous that the show uh was gonna get canceled due to the ratings they had low ratings Um, Mm, they saw it coming Right. So this is kind of where the the fandom took matters into their own hands. And kind of <laughs> what happens next is nothing short of amazing. Um, <laughs> so even before Firefly was officially canceled, uh, fans began to mobilize to save it, save it from getting canceled. And so this was like 2002. So think back, if you will, <laughs> to where the internet was in 2002. Like we had AOL and Instant Messenger and we had chat rooms and message boards. Remember? Do you remember that? <laughs> um, I, I do remember that. Yahoo chat rooms. I used to sing in Yahoo karaoke chat rooms. No. Just an unrelated side note for you I didn't there. even know that was a thing that existed. I had a very vivid internet life in 2002, so yes, yes, I do remember. <laughs> I remember all of this very well. I was creating so, GeoCities pages like you wouldn't believe. Nice. Sadly, I think 2002 was like the last time I had like a real actual life. <laughs> and now I just have like an internet life. <laughs> all right, so anyway, they availed... Uh, themselves of all the tools that the internet had to offer in the early 2000s. So they were on the message boards, fan sites, chat rooms, live journal blogs. <laughs> yes, I have two of those. They're still up. You still have two own. that are up? <laughs> they are still up. Listen, the internet is forever, guys. So be careful what you put up there. I don't know how to log into live journal. I don't remember the passwords for this shit. So it's just there. It's still there. We're, Me and being we like, will I'm going to, to Toronto this weekend. I'm going to drink all the Smirnoff ice. <laughs> Oh, embarrassing. Smirnoff ice. Um, See, that's that dates it for you. When I was still drinking Smirnoff ice because I hadn't developed a taste for beer yet. Because I was um, 17 years old. Thank and, you. And we are going to link to those on the blog. Allison's mm-hmm, live channels mm-hmm, will be up mm-hmm, on the blog. Mm-hmm. I object. So this is kind of like an early example of of crowdsourcing and it is absolutely an example of guerrilla marketing which is you know the fans of the show using unconventional methods to kind of spread the word and get support 
there was this one woman, her name was Kiba Rika, and she ran websites, um, fan sites, and one of them was jossisahottie.com, <laughs> and the other one was jossweden.net. So she organized a fan campaign called Firefly colon Immediate Assistance. And fans <laughs> of the show were encouraged to send postcards to Fox. Could you imagine postcards, okay? Um, yes. To demonstrate. So they were encouraged to send these postcards to demonstrate uh, that there was an enthusiastic audience full of consumers. Um, so this phase of the campaign began towards the end of October with the goal of getting thousands and thousands of postcards to Fox by the end of November sweeps. So then phase two commenced and phase two, um, was coordinated by a fan named Kristen who was volunteering with Kiba and they, they began to, um, organize, uh, an advertising campaign so they wanted to collect funds so they could run an ad in Variety magazine, which they did. <clears throat> and the fan, the fan ad basically thanked Fox for um, putting on such a great show. Uh, and we'll throw a link to that ad up on the blog, too. It's really a great ad. And then phase three began at the end of November with a fan <laughs> named Allison. Allison with oh, a Y. It wasn't me. Nope. Um... And she began to coordinate a national evening of viewing parties. And this idea, um, you know, they hoped to gain local media attention for Firefly because fans would hold viewing parties all over the country on the same night, um, December 20th, 2002. And that was the same night that Fox had scheduled the episode Serenity, which, as we know, was the actual pilot. Mm-hmm. So all these fans are busting their butts to try to keep Serenity on the air. Um, however, in true brown coat fashion, they failed. Oh, God. That's so <laughs> depressing. Wah, wah. <laughs> but, and this is a big but, their efforts convinced Fox to release the show as a DVD that included the three unaired episodes and behind-the-scenes extras. And the DVDs sold more than 200,000 copies. Um, and this mm -hmm. impressed Universal Pictures, who climbed on board and enabled Joss to make Serenity the movie. Oh, you want to know about Serenity the movie? I do. Tell me all about it. I can tell you about that. Um, so, as you have just so wonderfully said, uh, in essence, because the fans refused to let it die, and because of these strong DVD sales you mentioned, uh, a follow-up film to the Firefly series went into production. Uh, and in 2005, Serenity hit the silver screen as Joss Whedon's first foray into the world of film. So that was his first film project. Um, I didn't so know that. apparently, according to Whedon, the title Serenity was chosen because Fox still owned the rights to the name Firefly, so they couldn't oh. use it for the film. And numerous early screenings were held for existing fans in an attempt to create a buzz and increase ticket sales when it was released widely on September 30th, 2005. But unfortunately, the film was not as commercially successful as fans had hoped, uh, opening at number two, which isn't terrible, uh, and making yeah. only 40 million worldwide during its initial theatrical release. So the film was basically meant to tie up the loose threads in the series storyline, but much to my personal dismay, it also manages to kill off two of my favorite characters. So I hated it. All right. You know what, though? I got to tell you, 
I loved it. I loved it. I thought it was so beautiful. I thought it, I thought it be was a beautiful, not, I don't want to say ending, but a beautiful addition to the a beautiful series. And it was so intense and so well done. And I was just sitting on the edge of my seat the whole time. And I was so happy to be back with all my friends aboard Serenity. I loved it. Yeah, I think I really liked that aspect of it. But personally, one second, what am I doing? I'm just like making everybody hate me this episode. Um, I, <laughs> I didn't I didn't love the film. I, I understand why it was the way it was. But for me, it was just way too much of an action film. I mean, so many fight sequences. So it was, which I get, it was a blockbuster film. They wanted to draw in people that maybe weren't already huge fans of the show by making something that could stand against any other kind of sci-fi action film of the time. So they did that incredibly well, but for me, it's just not my speed. And I missed the the more kind of intricate, intricate kind of slower pace of the television show, which I understand you can't necessarily do in a film. Um, right. But for me, I really, really like the show better. I like the pace of the show better. I like the the interactions with the characters better, the, you know, the way we get to know them slowly over time. But I do agree with you. I think it was so nice to, to be back on board Serenity and be with our friends, even if you want to kill them. But um, <laughs> I, I won't, I will not get over that. I, I do I feel can't. like, I feel like Book needed to die. No. But Wash did not need to die. Wash that definitely. Was that was a low blow. Unnecessary. Um, and my favorite thing about the whole movie was, uh, here's Mal, and he finally is finally getting the opportunity to hit the um, alliance where it hurts. And he's this war that he's been fighting on a personal level through the whole series once you you know he gets the this information that he needs he's delivering a death blow to the alliance and i just was so it was so powerful and oh god i loved it and i didn't i've i watched it you know i've watched half of it before and had to shut it off because i hated it so much <laughs> and then here i am like 15 years later watching it like biting my nails and and getting sweaty and worked up <laughs> over this it was just so good yeah okay i guess i guess i can understand that um oh i do um, so you can send your hate mail to allison at yeah. random base life at gmail.com <laughs> yes please direct all of your hate mail to me i i forgot i did have uh just some notes from the fans um on the cancellation of firefly um so Zoe from France, who you hear in the in the intro of Fan of Base Life, um, she said about the cancellation that it's heartbreaking. Uh, in hindsight, though, and after having seen a lot of shows go down the drain the more the series went on, I'm not unhappy. It would have been nice to have 10 series of Firefly, but it being the underdog and the little show that could made it what it is today. And another, uh, another fan, Eve, said, It probably propelled Firefly to the heights it now has and ended on a perfect high note without any risk of going downhill. So I saw this sentiment a lot. Like, obviously, everyone hates Fox and is devastated that right. the show ended so soon. But at the same point, we don't know what would have happened if it had kept on going. Like, maybe it would have 
not had the, the shark. Yeah. It it might not have had the the like crazy cult like following that it now does because sometimes it's that sort of injustice that really kind of creates this this rabid fandom. We also asked um in our questionnaire, how would you feel about a series reboot? Mm-hmm. And most of the people were like, nope, leave it alone. Yeah, I was kind of don't surprised by that. Nope. People were just like, yeah. I-, I don't think a reboot is a good idea. Um, they say, you know, maybe potentially if you did something that's still within that same verse, but has maybe new characters, but they kind of, you know, and then you get cameos from some of the old stars. But People generally think it's a bad idea, and and they're also very adamant that if they were going to do anything else with the Firefly franchise, um, that if it didn't have Joss Whedon and Tim Minear at the helm of it, then it shouldn't happen, basically. They they just really want, if anything were to ever be done, it needs to remain true. It needs to be in the same voice. It needs to be kind of taken on by the right people. Otherwise, leave it alone. They're pretty, like, like you said, almost every single person in the questionnaire said either don't do it at all, or if you're going to do it, these are the, the, the requirements it needs to fill. Nathan made a comment um, at one point. He said, quote, if I got $300 million from the California lottery, the first thing I would do is buy the rights to Firefly, make it on my own, and distribute it on the internet, uh, which is kind of cool. So all of his co-stars... Uh, and some of the writers started popping up on Twitter and saying, me too, Nathan. And then immediately after these comments came up, a website called Help Nathan Buy Firefly popped up. And uh, there was a big like a big title when you click on the link and it says, let's get the captain his money. <laughs> and <laughs> there's also a Facebook group um, that has 33,000 members. Yeah, so about... 12,000 fans pledged just over a million U.S. dollars with an average pledge of $85 before Joss Whedon's sister-in-law publicly denounced the site on Twitter. She wasn't, she she kind of was cruel, like, just like, this isn't happening at first. And then, you know, later kind of came out and said, listen, like, you know, nobody's upset about this, but, you know, it's just not realistically going to happen. It's not something that, you know, anyone on the Whedon team is interested in doing right now. And uh, so I think, yeah, they were, they didn't want uh, it it to be taken on again. I think maybe they feel just as strongly as the fans, like if it's going to be done, it has to be done right. But yeah, it was just this momentary thing. And like, it was, I think in 2011 that happened where Nathan said this one thing and the fans went, okay, we'll do it. Let's go. We'll do it. We're going to do it. (laughs) (laughs) I think um, they got about the the Facebook group had 10,000 members join uh, in a 24-hour time period. Oh, so. my God. You brown coats are bananas. Yeah, they're serious. There's also um, something called Serenity Day. So um, on June 23rd, 2006, um, a date that fans dubbed Serenity Day, on this day, fans bought and got others to buy copies of the Serenity and Firefly DVDs in the hopes of convincing Universal that creating a sequel was a good business decision. And on that day, Serenity and Firefly were actually ranked second and third, respectively, on the DVD bestsellers list. So, like, brown coats know how to come together and, like, make shit happen. Like, I have mad respect for their their ability to do that. Obviously, we know that didn't work either <laughs> but good on you for trying friends so brown coat of you <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, so right. the speaking of brown coats and how active they are, um, they also managed to do a couple of uh, fan-funded projects. Was Con Man one of them? Yeah. Was that a fan-funded project? Awesome, because Brown Coats Redemption was also a fan-funded project. Do tell. And I did not watch this. I couldn't find it. Uh, I would like to keep looking and try to watch it. Um, but uh, so Brown Coats Redemption is uh, a movie made by the fans for the fans. Um, it's directed by Michael C. Doherty, written by Michael C. Doherty as well. And it stars Heather Fagan, John Patrick Barry, and Michael James Levy. And the synopsis is as follows. The crew of the Spaceship Redemption become a potential trigger for the second rise of the Browncoats against the Alliance. Mm-hmm. So it was an independent film, um, and they had Firefly fans travel from all over to volunteer their time as extras, supporting roles, cast and crew. So it was all basically done with volunteers, and without them, the film would not exist. So the film features all new characters created within the same universe, or verse, if you will, as Firefly and Serenity. And the film raised $12,000 as of June 1st, 2011, and uh, all proceeds were donated to charity. Um, through an event which we'll talk about in a little bit called Can't Stop the Serenity. So uh, all sales for this movie ended on September 1st, 2011, one year after its premiere, with total revenues exceeding $115,000. Wow. That's pretty awesome for a fan project. Yeah. Um, Another fan project um, was called Done the Impossible. So that's a fan-made documentary that was released in 2006 um, and is still available now. You can find it online. We'll link to it in the blog. Um, So the documentary relates the stories of the fans and how the show has affected them. So basically doing what we are attempting to do now. Um, But it features interviews with Josh Whedon and various cast members, which we unfortunately do not have. Um, And part of the DVD proceeds were donated to Equality Now, which uh, is a charity that is much beloved by Browncoats, um, which we will definitely link to as well. Um, So from the doc's website, uh, their kind of synopsis was... Firefly and Serenity have grown beyond the genius of Joss Whedon. The words Firefly and Brown Coat have come to symbolize a sense of community, family, and believing that the impossible can be accomplished. These concepts are at the very heart of Firefly and of its fans. Adam Baldwin hosts the telling of this vivid Brown Coat story that features interviews with Joss Whedon, creator of Firefly and Serenity, the cast, crew, and most important, the fans themselves. The story chronicles the rise, fall, and rebirth of the cult TV show Firefly, as told from the perspective of the fans who helped save it. Fans of the TV show and movie share what inspired them to become passionate about Firefly, to help save Firefly, attend shindigs, participate in message boards, donate to charities, and become serenity extras. They talk about the many ways that Firefly has affected their lives. The cast and crew also share humorous and insightful experiences. So that sounds awesome. I haven't watched it yet. It's on my to-do list. Um, but Me uh, too. that's kind of another fan-led project that sounds really cool. And then another amazing fan-funded project, which I have just finished watching and sending you screen grabs of with you being like what is this and uh me not telling you <laughs> cuz I'm a jerk. Cuz you're mean. Is 
Con Man, which is my new favorite thing. I might actually like it better than Firefly. Oh my god, I'm gonna get assassinated. Again, it's fandombase life at gmail.com. Send your hate mail. Attention, because... Allison. Um, so, <laughs> Con Man is a web series that was created, written, directed by, and starring Alan Tudyk, aka Wash. Yes. So, the series follows cult science fiction actor Ray Nearly, who is Tudyk. Uh, as he tours the convention circuit. So, <laughs> Tudyk, obviously one of the stars of Firefly, based con man loosely upon his own experiences. And the series is co-produced by PJ Hersma and also by Nathan Fillion, who co-stars in it. So, it was crowdfunded through Indiegogo, and it set records for crowdfunding a web series, raising more than $1 million in 24 hours. Wow. And more than 3.1 million overall, which is insane. So the series premiered wow. on September 30th, 2015 on Vimeo, uh, with the first season consisting of 13 episodes. They're really short episodes. They're like 10 minutes long. And the second season premiered on December 8th, 2016 on Comic-Con HQ, which is Comic-Con's subscription streaming video service. You can subscribe to that channel via Amazon Prime, which is what I did, and marathon the whole thing. So yeah, the second season consisted of 12 episodes. Um, and in 2017, this year, uh, it was acquired by Sci-Fi and had its television debut on September 9th, where the episodes were combined to produce half-hour installments for airing. Uh, the show is hilarious and also has... I can't wait to watch yeah, it. Yeah, you have to watch it. It's so amazing. And, uh, and there's so many cameos in it. It's like... Seth Green over here and like Jewel State is in it. Obviously Nathan Fillion's in it. There's so many insane appearances. It's so, so funny. It's basically Alan Tudyk playing this kind of parody version of himself. So his character was the star of this short-lived sci-fi series. He was a captain. Um, I think it was Captain uh, Cash. So obviously very very far off from Wash. Um, and, uh, and, you know, his career hasn't gone anywhere since then, really. So he's just like this kind of bitter actor, really wanting to do serious roles, but just traveling around the this kind of sci-fi convention circuit and getting into like all sorts of bizarre kind of uh, experiences. And it's laugh out loud funny, like knee slapping <laughs> good times. It's so good. It's so, so good. So, I can't wait. Yeah. It's, it's probably been my favorite part about researching this podcast episode is discovering that show. Nice. And they were the first, um, first ever web series to have a panel in Hall H at San Diego Comic-Con, <gasps> which is a huge deal. That's where like the massive, 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 huge panels are. And they're the first ever web series that got that. Nice. I watched it yesterday. Job, you can also get that on uh, Comic-Con HQ. Just saying. All right. Let's hurry up and finish this so I can go watch that. <laughs> All right. I think we still have a few things to get through, though. So hold your horses. Yeah. All right. So uh, I wanted to talk about the ships. <laughs> All right. So we pulled, uh, you know, we did our questionnaire. Mm -hmm. uh, and we always ask about, you know, the ships. What yeah. are the best ships? What are the most popular ships? Who do you ship? Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't know if it was the fandom being cheeky or if they really thought that we were asking about like spaceships. I honestly think, I don't think it was a joke. I really think they just didn't understand <laughs> the question, but in the best way possible. They are so great. I was laughing 
so hard just mm-hmm. at how adorable it was. Um, excuse me while I shuffle my papers here. <laughs> so here's some of the answers we received when we asked about um, the most popular ships and the least popular ships. Um, for the least popular ships, people said alliance cruisers <laughs> or alliance ships. And then for most popular, uh, somebody said the Firefly Class 03-K64. <laughs> um, and then my favorite answer, I think, in all of the uh, surveys were, um, what do you think is the least popular ship? And somebody <laughs> here said, oh, Mike from Indiana says, anything with a Capacin-38 engine, they fall right out of the sky. <laughs> Which, of course, is a great quote from Kaylee, I believe. Kaylee. I would imagine Kaylee. So I did what I always do uh, when I want to be in a fandom, and I went to the fan fiction. And I was actually surprised to find um, in my, you know, brief research that I did that a lot of the ships were followed the kind of the canon ships, you know, Mal and Inara, um, Simon and Kaylee. There wasn't a lot of slash. I found a little bit of Jane and Simon, but, uh, my most favorite uh, ship that became my OTP for this series is Jane and River. Oh, what? I know. I didn't think that I would uh, ship Jane and River together. But when you think about it, you know, he's this, you know, big, strong man who maybe might you know, have, you might glimpse a little bit of a good person in there somewhere from time to time, you know, although he kind of is, like you said, we love to hate him. And then River, who's this little damaged, broken, beautiful thing that I just want Jane to take care of forever and ever. Interesting. It's definitely unexpected. It definitely was unexpected. But after I, um, I read a couple Jane, uh, Jane slash River, fictions uh i was hooked and they're my otp uh can i read you a couple please and see if see if maybe i can bring you over to the ship so um this first fiction is by uh, i found it on fanfiction.net it's by ambrel shirak she has uh part one and part two part one is called hide and seek and uh, part two is called still seeking and she's an absolutely gorgeous writer. The first uh, excerpt that I want to read you is kind of just an example of how beautiful she writes. She's describing River, who we kind of... So the series and the the movie kind of hints at the fact that River is psychic, Mm -hmm. and she's a reader, um, and so she can, like, read people's feelings and people's thoughts. So this writer, Ambrel Shirak, kind of is, from River's point of view, describing how River perceives other people's thoughts. And so I'm going to read you this excerpt because it's just lovely. So this is River thinking about her, the rest of the crew. Okay. Jane's thoughts were there as soon as she was back in her personal bubble of safety. So simple, so linear, cause and effect. His thoughts were easy to handle, sift through, and ignore. Unlike Simon's little boxes or Inara's waterfalls, unlike Kaylee's circuit boards or Zoe's handwritten notes, Jeans were simple, like guns, like weapons. So I really liked how she assigned kind of everybody like thought patterns that fit their personalities and their character traits. So that was really interesting. Mm. Um, so then the next excerpt is um, more Jane and River. 
It's from uh, the second installment called Still Seeking, uh, Chapter 4. And I will read it to you now. Cool. Four days, one planet fall, and one not-so-legal heist later, the crew was beat. Jane was doing what he was paid to do, the heavy lifting. The rest of them had gone off to find their sweet rest in their bunks. He was alone in the cargo hold, shoving heavy crates of ore into Mal's super-secret hidey hole. At least he thought he was alone. When he turned back to retrieve the final crate, there was a surprise waiting for him. River perched delicately atop the box, standing on her tiptoes as, as she surveyed the hold. Jane felt his stomach make an uncharacteristic twist at the sight of her. As she turned, she folded her legs beneath her, gracefully collapsing into a seated poise. Jane wet his lips and scrubbed the back of his neck. Should he compliment her? Should he be daring and pursue her? He didn't think he could take it if she rabbited from him again. Instead, his brain misfired and all he managed was a meek little wave. River smiled and slithered down from the crate. She approached, but stopped a respectful distance away. After a moment, she couldn't look him in the eye, her gaze instead dropping down to his hands, curled uselessly at his sides. The silence was weighing on him. Finally, Jane cleared his throat. I ain't one on speechifying. I ain't got no fancy words or none <laughs> on that clever mumbo jumbo, but I got loads to say. He lifted his hands as if to punctuate the statement, but his brain failed him as River reached out and took one of his hands with both of her own. A gentle tug on his fingertips brought him a step closer. His heart stalled as she brought his hand up and pressed it to her cheek, turning her face slightly into his palm. All he could think about was how dirty his hands were. <laughs> she held him there, his palm pressed against her cheek, his fingers threaded through her hair. She was shaking, using his steadiness to hold herself still. After an eternity, her eyes drifted open and she raised her gaze to him once more. We have to be secret, she whispered against his hand. The feeling of her lips moving against his palm nearly brought him to his knees. To protect you. I-18, ah, he, <laughs> he fairly whimpered. <laughs> I don't give a damn about me. River pressed a kiss to the inside of his wrist just before she drew away. But I do. Ooh. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, it's really sweet. I love the way she, and she does this again and again and again. She captures Jane's voice and the rest of the character's voice so perfectly. Yeah, no, it's really well done. I'm glad you found some. Because it didn't seem like with the questionnaire that people were just like oh I don't read that I have no idea like it didn't I thought oh really are we gonna like not get fanfic out of this it was hard to find um it wasn't on tumblr and it wasn't on archive of our own which is you know archive of our own is where I go to for like the weird fic like the the random fic um and actually I was uh bitching to you that I couldn't find it and you sent me fanfiction.net which I don't normally go to for my fanfiction needs um but that's where Firefly fanfiction lives. It's all on fanfiction.net. There's another really good um, Jane and River fic um, by The Scarred Man, and it's a three-part series, Man of Honor, Man of Action, Man of Principle, that I'd love to link to on the blog. Uh, and then I found another really pretty um, Mal and Inara, which I just, I think we all need I was really hoping... <laughs> yeah, movie. I mean, that's what I expected there to be a ton of. Right. Uh, and I was hoping that the movie would kind of 
satisfy that urge that they would get together and they they had a little moment but it was not even close to being what it should be um so then i have another little excerpt uh, of a mal and a nara um and this one's by l loopy on fanfiction.net and it's called all by myself and it's just a brief excerpt that i pulled out um anara had a a a rough run-in with a client and it left her a little shook up and um, of course, Mal came to see what was taking her so long and found her a little upset. Um, and he's asking her what's wrong and, you know, in their true dynamics, she doesn't want to show weakness. So Anara refused to answer but glared back, their faces inches apart, a battle of wills. She had never broken in front of him before, but she was exhausted from crying and pretending to be strong. Power and protection were flooding out of him over her. She crumpled in front of him the front crashing to the floor as tears started to flow again. She tried to turn away, but he wrapped his arms around her and held her to him. Exotic fingers clung to his rough, dirt-stained shirt as she wept bitterly against him, drawing out comfort and strength. Mel stood still, just holding her, mind-boiling up a thousand ways to kill the man. He didn't whisper empty words of comfort. He wasn't sure how, nor did he think she'd appreciate it much. Slowly, the sob subsided, and he thought about the huge tear-stained patch that she would have left on his shirt. Sobbing females were not really Mel's type. He detested them as weak-willed and manipulative, but Inara, he'd never seen her cry. She'd been shook up bad, and he wanted to choke the life out of the culprit. Oh my god, I love that. I was just going to say, can you send me the link? But obviously you have to. (laughs) (laughs) I will. It's so beautiful. It's like, funny because it's such, that's the obvious pairing. Like, that's the obvious mm-hmm. ship. That's probably a lot of people's OTP, um, which is usually what I would shy away from reading. Because I'm like, ugh, like, typical, like, the hero and the heroine. But their characters are so not like that that I actually do. I do. And there was so much buildup and so much angst. I'm just like, I, I, want, I want to see them together. So, like, yes, even just hearing to. that snippet, I was like, yay. Like, oh, my God, it's finally going to happen. So there's a lot of good fan fiction. There's, of course, a lot of um, Simon and Kaylee, which um, yeah. a couple people answered our questionnaire and said that they didn't like Simon and Kaylee because they thought it was too awkward. It was a bit awkward. But goddamn, that scene, that last scene in Serenity, the movie, when they're, like, in the engine room and Simon doesn't have a shirt on, whoo. <laughs> You're into it. Yeah, I ship it. <laughs> But what kind um, of ship? A Firefly class or <laughs> or a Reaver ship? We haven't even talked about Reavers. <laughs> Is there any like Reaver um, uh, fan fiction? <laughs> oh, I didn't. Uh, I'm. I don't know. I don't know if there would be, but I didn't come across any. For those of you not um, in the know uh, and are still listening, congratulations and thank you. Um, Reavers. <laughs> Reavers are basically like horrible, awful space zombies that uh, are, like, the most terrifying thing in the verse, more or less. They'll, like, rape you and murder you and rip your limbs off and do just and all... eat you, and then they just... They, like, mutilate themselves. They mutilate it's themselves to really make themselves look, like, crazy, and they, uh... Scary. They, like, prey on basically anyone. They're uh, pretty horrifying. So another really great thing that this fandom has, in addition to the fan art and the fan fiction, is something called Fire Filk. Or uh, filk. Wait, what? So, yeah. I I googled it because I wasn't sure what it is. Um, and so filk isn't Firefly specific. Filk has been defined as folk music 
usually with a science fiction or fantasy theme, but the definition is not exact. Filkers have been known to write filk songs about a variety of topics. Uh, This is all per Wikipedia. Thank you, Wikipedia. So these topics include, but are not limited to, uh, topics such as computers or cats. Um, (laughs) In addition, while the majority of filk songs are in the folk style, other styles such as blues and calypso and even rock appear from time to time. This genre has been active since the early 1950s and played primarily since the mid-1970s. So Fire Filk is an international brand of music written by fans of Firefly and Serenity. Some of it's funny, some of it's serious, some of it's original, and some covers already established music. Uh, And we were lucky enough to get somebody to answer our questionnaire. Uh, Sean Faust has a a song called Signal out, um, and he sent it to us, and it's amazing. And uh, we're going to play you a little clip of it right now. great okay that's amazing i'm so excited that that even exists like obviously i'm a musician myself so the fact that like there's like fandom based music my mind is blown blown a whole new world has just opened up a whole new world of possibilities a whole new verse and it is shiny so sean is a good dude he donates 50 percent of all the proceeds from his song to equality now on behalf of can't stop the serenity Sean, you're the best. Thank you, Sean. Thanks for sharing with us and letting us share your art with our listeners. We are obviously going to link to all of Sean's greatness uh, on the blog. So check that out in the show notes. So Can't Stop the Serenity is, I don't even know what it is. It's like a movement. <laughs> it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. Um So Sean says he donates his proceeds to Equality Now on behalf of Can't Stop the Serenity. Uh, So I had to look up what Can't Stop the Serenity is. What are that? What are that? Okay. So on uh, on Can't Stop the Serenity's website, it says that it is a unique opportunity to indulge your geeky side while doing something good. Since 2006, fan volunteers have organized screenings of Joss Whedon's Serenity to raise funds and awareness to support Equality Now in their work for the protection and promotion of human rights of women around the world. So they encourage people to join them as they aim to misbehave for a good cause. (laughs) So since 2006, they've raised over a million dollars with these screenings for Equality Now. Yeah. So there's a, a freaking amazing fandom right there at work. Brown coats. Amazing. I love it. I love that we always find, you know, these 
heartwarming, amazing stories of giving that these communities always seem to have. Like, it doesn't even matter what fandom we're talking about. You, you know, you uncover all this incredible charity work they're doing. I just love it. It was kind of like an unexpected bonus to to starting this podcast and doing this research is just finding out like there's so much good being done by fans around the world and it's just you know when shit is as bad as it is everywhere right now it's really really nice to see some good it's like they all recognize that they have such huge numbers that they have to almost do something good with their numbers you know they that they can mobilize um like the supernatural family and the murderinos and the brown coats there's you know there's so many of us we have to do something good you know with our power another awesome thing that the brown coats do is called the brown coat ball sounds like a shiny shindig it is a shiny shindig and it is kind of held in the vein of the um what episode was that do you know where they all go to the shindig. I'm pretty sure it's called shindig. Okay, right. <laughs> so it's held in the vein of the event, the ball that Mal takes Kaylee to, and Inara's there with her um, dirt bag. Dirt bag. Um, I don't know. Can I just say that I squeed really hard when I watched that episode because Mal was such a dick to Kaylee, and then he bought her the frilly cupcake dress, and he took her to the, the ball. And I was so happy. It was so sweet. It gave and me how so many everybody, feels. like Kaylee, was the center of attention at the ball because she could talk about all the ships and the engines. Yeah. Well, the girls at first were so horrible and awful to her, and I was like so mad. And then it turned out she, she found her stride with all the men because she was so smart. They all were just like, oh my God, she knows everything. It was like, joke's on you, stupid bitches. Kaylee's the best. It was a good episode. With her like frilly cupcake um, dress. And as you can imagine, at these brown coat balls, there are many people who cosplay <gasps> it up in Kaylee's um, pink, fluffy, frilly dress. Oh my god. So it's usually like a whole big weekend affair. It started back in 2004. The inaugural brown coat ball was held in Chicago. And the Chicago land brown coats um, wanted to bring fans from around the world together to celebrate Firefly and each other. Um, and so it's an affordable fan-run event. It's held in a different city each year. Um, and it's, it is a weekend-long event with different workshops, touristy things, and, of course, the ball where everyone dresses up all fancy-like. I love it. Can we go to one? When are we going? We should go to one. We'll have to get matching dresses. And, of course, they put their power to good use, and they raise money. Um, of course. For, and make charitable donations for um, Equality Now. And uh, Equality Now is one of Joss Whedon's um, favorite charities. And he has a great quote that I found. It says, There are two ways to fight a battle like ours. One is to whisper in the ears of the masses, try subtly and gradually to change gender expectations and mythic structures of our culture. That's me. The other is to step up and confront the thousands of atrocities that are taking place around the world on an immediate one-by-one basis. That's a great deal harder, and that's equality now. It's not about politics. It's about basic human decency. I love that. Uh, One final thing that I wanted to mention about the cool things that fans do is they raised a fan campaign, raised over $14,000 in donations to have Firefly DVDs purchased and placed aboard 250 U.S. Navy ships. Amazing. Isn't that cool? And then I saw uh, somewhere else that... um, 
So there's a brown coat, uh, an astronaut that's a brown coat, a NASA astronaut, oh, yeah. Steven Swanson. And he took the Firefly and Serenity DVDs with him on the space shuttle Atlantis in June 2007. So they've been in space for real. For real. Ah, feelings. Yeah. I love that that has happened. Can we please, because we've already started talking in it a little bit um, throughout the episode so far, but can we do a little segment on the fandom-based lexicon of Firefly? Yes. Let's do it. Okay. So I had um, a few fans uh, describe it very well. Uh, One anonymous survey taker uh, said that the language is shiny lingo mixed with cursing in Mandarin. (laughs) Perfect. Another anonymous person said Goram, verse, shiny, etc. All used in everyday conversation. I tried there's so much tasty in here my John Thomas is going to pop off and fly around the room. But that didn't work out too well. <laughs> oh my god. I love that quote. And uh, it's something a little less happy. Um, Meg from Arizona said, You can easily move a brown coat to tears by saying, I am a leaf on the wind. A moment of silence. Yeah, let's have a moment of silence for our favorite pilot. Uh, all right, let's talk about some of these words. Break it down for me, girl. All right, so the most widely used uh, is shiny. Shiny. It's a adjective. Yeah. And Kaylee says it, I think, the most. She, everything's shiny. So if it's great or cool or awesome, it's shiny. Uh, and that's the one that I've definitely adopted into my everyday. Yeah, no, me too. I definitely say things are shiny all of the time now, which is pretty fun. And now what is this Goram situation? So I said that to you the other day and you did, I don't think you picked up on it. Um, this is another thing that I have, this is the only swear word that I've used like for the past two weeks. <laughs> and it's actually a variation of a, a Chinese curse. Um, oh, and they is say that? Goram instead of goddamn. Um, and I love it. I keep saying like, Goram it noodle. Uh, <laughs> I guess it's really good for you as a mother of a three, almost four-year-old, first of all, what the hell, that, that you can find these replacements for swears because now she's she's probably at that age where she's starting to pick up on what you're saying and mimic it. Yes, especially since she listens to a lot of Macklemore. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's your fault. Yep. Uh, so we've got a purple belly, which is a derogatory term. Uh, generally used to refer to a member of the Alliance. So your enemies are all purple bellies. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the opposite of a brown coat. Purple belly. Um, also, another good swear, fake swear, firefly swear for you to put in your vernacular when speaking to or around your child, hopefully not to your child, <laughs> is uh, rutten. Or rutting, if you're posh, which basically is the F shot. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes Bowie, the dog, is a rutten purple belly. Just use two of those in a sentence. You're welcome. And of course, <laughs> we talked to... about a shindig. I think a lot of the yeah. a lot of the vernacular, it's it's this funny, bizarre. So there, you've got the swearing in Mandarin. So you've got this this mix of 
English and Chinese uh, because of kind of the way the universe has developed. But yeah, because it's a space Western, you've also got a lot of kind of uh, INGs becoming INs. You know what I mean? Like written and, you know, I'm I'm fixing for a fight. And, you know, all of this kind of like old timey language mixed with Mandarin, mixed with space speak. It's like a really, it's its own, it's its own beast entirely. And it's really, really funny. And I think that only like hardcore brown coats, like they can like really communicate in this very specific way that identifies them, which is really fun. So there are so many quotes, but I put a few of these down. Do you want to throw out a few of the fave quotes all right i think my all-time favorite uh quote is wash's um curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal i love that i think that is like one of the crowning kind of phrases of the whole series i want to buy all the swag with that quote (laughs) we could just make our own i'll make you something another another one that's fun is uh mal when he was sort of cross-dressing as a pioneer woman (laughs) uh when he says i swear by my pretty floral bonnet i will end you (laughs) i mean this is such weed and stuff right you get these characters in these serious moments and then they say the most ridiculous funny things and it's it's so so much of what makes this show what it is um or when mal says to jane uh well my time of not taking you seriously is coming to a middle (laughs) (laughs) coming to a middle i love that i think peter and i both burst out laughing at that line it was just so (laughs) unexpected like you weren't expecting him to go there and it just but it was perfect yeah and i love jane jane has some great stuff uh one of my favorite jane quotes has to be uh you know what the chain of command is? It's a chain I go get and beat you with until you understand who's in rut and charge here. Love it. All right, so now it is time for my favorite part of the episode, uh, of every episode, which is something I have sort of dubbed Fandom Says, which is where we share your thoughts on your fandom, your favorite things about your fandom, um... And it's it's the best. So um, let's just go back and forth sharing some of these awesome insights from brown coat fans around the world. All right. So we have an anonymous uh, survey taker who says it's an entry level fandom similar to <laughs> Doctor Who. Most science fiction fans have seen it and have an opinion. It helps me connect with other fans I might not know well at cons and forums. I agree with a bit of that because like, sorry, <laughs> I was like, we'll just go back and forth. And now I'm like commenting. But like it was... It was not in, as intimidating as a lot of the things we're eventually going to conquer because it's only one season <laughs> and one movie. Right. It's like, I can get into this and I can learn everything there is to learn and I won't feel left out of the party. Or the shindig, sorry, I should say. <laughs> Cherie J says that she loves Firefly because they feel like family. I think the brilliance behind Firefly is the witty banter and the relationships that they build with each other. Even though they come from very different backgrounds, and they are all very headstrong and independent in the beginning, their lives become intertwined, and by the end of the season, you just want to book passage and travel with them. It's so true. Matt from Grand Rapids says, The community has been a great support of people who love to geek out, but the show has always been a strong influence in my life. Hmm. Brian from New Mexico says, It's like a short, sweet, intense summer romance that you thought was going to last forever and then ended suddenly. 
I enjoyed the dialogue, the characters, and the possibility of what lay in store for the future. Brian, that was beautiful. I know, I love that comparison to a summer romance. I'm like, that's so right. That's so dead on. Brian, do you write fan fiction? Because you should. <laughs> I think you should start. Um, I have a quote from Rudy M. who says, Well-written characters, chemistry between the actors, it's cowboys in space, what's not to like? <laughs> Fair play. Um, Daniel M. says, Firefly and Serenity were groundbreaking and brought back elements that made old-school sci-fi amazing. A touch of Western, science and technology, an original story arc, and it had an amazing cast. Joss Whedon will always stand with the greats of sci-fi. His shows, such as Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Dollhouse, and Firefly, have all earned their place as classics. It's a shame that Dollhouse and Firefly ended so soon. They are masterpieces that deserve to grow. Uh, Meg from Arizona says, Knowing so many big damn heroes is important. We are hopeful and curious, loyal and optimistic. Firefly fans joyfully cheer for a show that was ruthlessly cut short and rewatch episodes always finding something new and wonderful. I love that one. Aaron H. says, I resisted this show for years. When I finally caved, I realized that I'd missed out on a funny show with a great cast. The chemistry they had made me excited for the next season. <laughs> and insert heartbreaking joke here. Oh, and the one-liners. Shiny. It's uh, not funny, Aaron. It's sad. It's sad. It's not funny at all. Okay. Rasan D. says, Even though I was a simple viewer, that show made me feel like I was part of the crew. I love that one. Kurt W. says, It was a different take on a space show. As a gamer... You could look at the crew and see believable player characters where the players running them took some time to make them. Each episode had some thought put into it, and that is what resonated with a lot of the viewers. Plus, a gritty future is a lot more believable than a shiny pew-pew one. <laughs> Humans, <laughs> even with a lot of time to evolve, are still going to be human and will dirty things up. Not a lie, Kurt. Not a lie. Oh, Kurt. I feel like Kurt and I would be friends <laughs> in real life. IRL. Um, in, yes, IRL. Uh, I have an anonymous quote here. Mm -hmm. I bonded with a fellow fan over Firefly, as well as a few other fandoms, Supernatural and Torchwood. Represent. And we discovered that we live 90 minutes from each other. We've been friends for four years now. I love it. Fandom-based friendships. Okay, I love this one. So uh, we had Judy, age 67. She she decided to put that in there as well. So Judy, who's 67, <laughs> from Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> she said uh, she discovered Firefly because her daughter, she says, my daughter lent me her DVDs about five years ago, before Castle. Uh, her ringtone on my phone is the end credits. I went to Dallas 2014 with my daughter, dressed as Grandma Kaylee, and met Adam Baldwin. We went to the Brown Coat Ball in 2015. I have most of the episodes on my phone. Not war stories, too painful. <laughs> and I made my daughter a Firefly quilt. Now that is a good fandom-based mom. Your mom has some competition. Yes. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. Mom, Yeah. I need a supernatural quilt Stat. with Dean's face on it, please. <laughs> yeah, Judy's and giving you a run for your money. And and chest <laughs> and stomach and likes <laughs> mom <laughs> wait can you imagine if i had a dean quilt <laughs> oh god peter would divorce you <laughs> right away he might it's too far it's too far uh jeremy w says 
I watch because I've always longed for the type of freedom that Captain Mel has. He calls his ship home, goes wherever he wants, when he wants, works for whomever he wants, and rebels against a corrupt government. What's not to like? Good point. So I reach out to my friend Janet Wallace from Nashville, Tennessee. She's at the Janice. She's at the Janet Wallace on Twitter and at Janet Wallace on Instagram. Give her a follow. She's a rad, rad woman. And uh, she summed it up really, really well. She said the show had humor, social and political overtones and adventure at its heart. You wanted to be part of the crew. You learned the language, sang the songs and defied anyone who tried to take the sky from you. You wanted so bad for the show to have more seasons to find out Shepherd Book's backstory. You scoured the web for brown trench coats. So, when you met someone who quoted Mal or Wash or Kaylee, you went a little nuts. You felt a part of a group that knew you in a way that other fandoms didn't. You were always grateful to find others who, dare I say, liked Firefly better than Buffy. You lived, live, for nerding out over backstory, stories never told, and Easter eggs hidden all over the Whedonverse and beyond, the best types of scavenger hunts. You loved that the actors cared as much about the show and the story and the fans as you do, and still find ways to work with each other, plant more Easter eggs, and quench the unending thirst for more Firefly. Serenity now! <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that, you know, watching... Um the panels and going through people's instas the actors instagrams or twitters they love firefly just as much as the brown coats do just as much as we do and it was so impactful on their lives and their careers Mm -hmm. and i i love that they are constantly showing the fans how much they mean to them yeah they really are they really are uh, amazing at doing that. And and it's, like I said, it's been 15 years and this community is still thriving, is still massive, still still arguing with each other and, and still discovering yes. things. I think it's really great. One last quote here from Philip C. Each character embodies something with which I deeply identify. Also, even if it's a short run, the character development was very strong. With that One also sees bonds between each of the characters grow in directions that are unexpected. Of course, the dialogue is incredible. One second you are angry, the next second you are laughing, then you are crying. Even the ship becomes a character cemented by the episode Out of Gas. The final conversation in the movie Serenity sums up why it is all so amazing. Love keeps her in the air. I really enjoyed this fandom i really enjoyed the show the movie the fan fiction the the fandoms the fact that they have balls like (laughs) what a what an amazing fandom i agree it took me by surprise i didn't expect to like it as much as i did i didn't expect to be as enamored with the fandom as i was but it's just every time you know <laughs> I should just always expect this because uh yeah. it's it's unreal but yeah these fans are just incredible and loyal like so loyal it's it's so awesome I think I I'm a brown coat I'd like to be a brown coat are you a brown coat I'm like maybe a tan coat is that a thing <laughs> yeah I mean I don't know if, like, if I'm allowed to be a brown coat maybe I'm yet, a beige but I sure coat would like to be like just a light a, a beige you know coat maybe Grayish. A grayish coat. 
<laughs> I'm working my way there. I feel like I still have a lot to learn, but I've really enjoyed the journey so far. So thank you. Thank you to the Brown Coat fandom for letting us in to you inside of you (laughs) awkward uh yes thank you to everyone that answered our questionnaire thank you to everyone that uh today i got so many responses i just like last minute went out on facebook and went into some of the brown coat groups i joined and said like what do you love about firefly this might be used in a podcast and it was just like like just comment after comment i'll probably get i'll finish recording and find 20 more that you know i could have put in there thank you so much for that you guys have been awesome so thank you so much uh for all of your input and your insight and uh and telling us about your incredible fandom we're so happy that you uh that you did um so you can find today's show notes with all the links to the things we've discussed uh at fandombaselife.com uh we're also on facebook uh facebook.com slash fandombaselife and tweet at us and let us know what you thought of this episode and uh what fandoms you'd like us to cover in future you can find us at fandombaselife on twitter uh we are also on tumblr um fandombaselife yeah, and you can old-fashioned style email us, fandombaselife at gmail.com. Also, if you do enjoy this podcast, please go onto iTunes and rate, review, and subscribe. That's a huge help to us. Even if you don't like this podcast, please still subscribe, <laughs> rate, and review. <laughs> well, maybe not review. And uh, we do have a Patreon for those of you that would like to support this podcast and everything we're doing and trying to do. You can find us patreon.com slash fandom life. And I think our next episode is going to be on Outlander. So stay tuned to all of those things that we mentioned for the Outlander survey. Absolutely. Uh, so, guys, thank you once again for listening. And make sure you keep on living that fandom-based life. And when you can't run, you crawl. And when you can't do that, you find someone to carry you. Stay shiny. Bye. Bye. Although Firefly Plant, Firefly Plant, what? Although Firefly, I can't. I'm done. (laughs) Firefly Plant. Told you. Firefly Plant. (laughs) Flams.